Welcome to Licensed Psychologist, Now What? A podcast about the journey psychologists and psychotherapists go through as they reclaim their intuition and unleash their healing gifts while maneuvering getting licensed, life, and making a living. And although this podcast host and many of the guests are mental health professionals, the information provided is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professionals, or for supervision and or consultation purposes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Licensed Psychologist Now What? This is your host, Dr. Liliana Garcia, and today I have the honor and privilege of presenting to you all, if you haven't met, the amazing Juritsi Gomez. She is a marriage and family therapist associate very soon because of the Board of Behavioral Sciences of California <laughs> are taking forever, very soon, hopefully licensed. Welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I've loved all of your episodes with the other guests that I've listened to. So I'm excited to be here and to share my story. Mm, thank you. I've been enjoying one of the pieces that I'm on my side is that I'm also being like fed. This is like the regenerative piece of it. It's like I'm being fed mm -hmm. with the amazing stories, the resiliency, mm -hmm. and how all of you are overcoming and inspiring me and others to keep on going. Because, yeah. you know, it's like there's a saying in Spanish, como que, aquí estamos en la lucha, like we're here. Because <laughs> that's all we have to, you know. It's like, <laughs> otherwise, you know, you can rest and all that, which is great. And at the same time, it's like, okay, then you stand up and keep on going. There's no way necessarily to go backwards or something unless you're resting. So, mm -hmm. okay. So, you want me to call you Judy or Juditi? Yeah, Judy. 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 I know. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Judy, can you tell us a little bit about you, your services, and what do you love the most about it? Sure. So, I am based out of California, and I do trauma-focused therapy, so... I use modalities such as EMDR, which stands for eye movement, desensitizing and reprocessing, brain spotting and other somatic tools in order to help women and femmes of color primarily process as traumas, stressors in order to live their most authentic life and a life that is clear and confident. I also do retreats and I'm going into one-on-one -on -one coaching, so offering my services outside of California to help women and femmes of color overcome self-doubt. So I'm super excited about that offering because it's a lot more creative and a lot more open in terms of what I can do and what I can offer. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more. Mm, yes. And I don't think that episode, I mean, when this episode comes out, that one would have come out, mm -hmm. the one that I interviewed Kate Latley about coaching services. So can you share with us a little bit more How do you differentiate those services? Yes. So I've been trying to figure that out for myself, <laughs> get mm -hmm. a lot more clear as I'm offering them and as I'm just dabbling into the space. Um, obviously, with the retreat, it's easy because it's a one-time thing and they can do follow-up sessions, but it's very specific to like the content that was presented at the retreat. So we're not necessarily going super in-depth into your past history, your family dynamics, all of that. We are focused on a goal that you want to achieve like right now in the present or the future. And therapy is more focused on really analyzing the past, analyzing the family dynamics, like I mentioned, relationship, traumas. And I don't shy away from the traumas in coaching because I think 
they're there. A lot of the mm-hmm. times I've noticed, even in my own, I'm part of a coaching program as well, that there's things, blocks, that whether it's mental blocks or emotional blocks that you feel when you're wanting to do something in your business or wanting to do something in life. And you don't understand where it's coming from. And a lot of the times it has to do with trauma. It has to do with something that's deeper. And so I am, luckily, I just got trained recently in brain spotting, which I can use outside and is used in the coaching setting for people, you know, throughout the country and the world. And so I'm really excited about bringing that in to help people overcome self-doubt in the coaching space. So there, that's going to be the goal in terms of coaching, like overcoming self-doubt, um, creating more confidence, resiliency within the person. And I'm focusing on primarily like women and femmes of color. And so we I have very specific kind of mindset or tools to use with them in that space. And therapy, it's much more open-ended. Like you go kind of where the client goes, you have a whole set of skills and like training in terms of different areas of a client's life so it's not necessarily there is treatment goals and and usually it's helping to reduce symptoms it's helping to reduce pain and suffering for the most part and coaching that can happen too but it's much more focused on something that you want to achieve something you want to gain in your life so that's how it would differentiate thank you yeah and how do you get into the um, like becoming passionate to work and help those that are struggling with self doubts? Can you share a little bit more? Yeah, so I think we all struggle with self doubt. Right. When I was trying to identify what type of work I wanted to offer outside of therapy, I was trying to figure out like what is something that could really benefit people or something that I keep hearing that is an issue that they're struggling with. And self-doubt was like the common thing over and over and over and over again. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on really understanding self-doubt. And I'm coming at it from, yes, a psychological standpoint, but also from a systemic, societal, intergenerational kind of standpoint as well. Because it's not just that you have this negative thought and you're trying to overcome it and not doubting yourself, there's so many layers to that self-doubt. And it's not, and most of the time it has nothing to do with you. Mm. And so how can you get the support that's needed in your community, with your coach, therapist, or other healer that's supporting you within yourself? Because a lot of the times self-doubt is desired by society, by certain people, especially for women, women of color, or any other marginalized person. Self-doubt is what keeps us in line for a lot of people and keeps just the systems going. And we don't want to stand up. We don't want to advocate. We don't want to stir the bow or want to be different. And we doubt ourselves internally. So that's kind of keeping us in these spaces instead of branching out and creating new things and liberating ourselves and our communities in creative ways. Hmm. Yeah, I see that like a box. But also that study about the cats mm-hmm. that were like in this box. And every time they approached the exit, they would get electrocuted or something. Mm-hmm. Please don't quote me. <laughs> Anyone studying right now? <laughs> Their psychology degree. I studied it so long ago. <laughs> but anyhow, what I wanted to share, it was like then they opened the gate and the cats wouldn't leave. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, how 
the gates are somewhat open-ish because yeah. <laughs> of societal stuff, but we're still holding back right. because of all the fear. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so important, which is something that I see the most as well, even with the therapist that I coach or with my clients mm -hmm. that they're trying. It's like they have all these gifts and they hold back, they hold back because what if, what if, what if, yep. what if nobody sees yep. me? What if my information is not good enough? Mm -hmm. Oh, I haven't read or researched about it. I'm not an expert mm -hmm. <laughs> in that mm -hmm. area. There's so many things because being in school, yeah. you had to like show like five or, you know, like a bibliography or references and where's the evidence-based piece of that. So there was so much criticism as well mm -hmm. that besides of whatever we went through, mm -hmm. school makes it even harder. Yes, it conditions yeah. us the same, especially for me as a first-generation immigrant here in this country. I am gonna get A's. I want to get A's. I want to mm. be the best student I can be because that means for me personally, it was opportunity. I'm gonna have more opportunities to be able to this specific kind of example ascend economically because right now my family is working class and there's limits the type of opportunities or type of lifestyle that we can live or resources just in general that we have. And then the other piece of it was validation. So much validation when you're following the rules, when you are regurgitating information of what, you know, mainly white men have, have developed. Yes. You are like, wow, she is so smart. Wow. Like she is so articulate when it's not even your thoughts in a lot of these scenarios. Yeah. And so uh, for me, it was very important or like, in this space now, it's a lot of, no, <laughs> like there is a lot of great like information that's been passed on and evidence-based, whatever, but that doesn't have to be, that doesn't have to be the end all be all. That doesn't have to make me feel any less or any more valuable in my field, me as a person and me in supporting my clients. Mm. This is so important. I bet a lot of the listeners right now are like, yep, yep, yep. And do you remember the time that you kind of, I don't want to say open your eyes, but kind of realized in a way that those A's or just mm -hmm. following those rules was not getting you to make more money or yeah. the validation stopped? Like, do you remember a time? Yeah. Yes. It's after getting out of school, <laughs> after getting out of school, especially going into entrepreneurship. So, so much because there's no one validating you yes. and the validations <laughs> are so, or the validations are so superficial because it's money. It's like conversions. It's all these things. And you're like, wait, what? Like I have to put in all my feelings, all these metrics. Yeah, I'll get into that. Yeah. So I, when I went into grad school, I really wanted to help people. I wanted to come into this profession to help people. And I felt like I had a calling. I, I was not in the psychology field at all. I was, I, my career changed a lot. So I wanted to be a financial advisor. Then I wanted to be a lawyer. Then I went into public policy, community organizing. And then I decided to go into psychology or like doing therapy. Because in the, when I was working in, with the community, I saw, like, I loved talking to people and I loved hearing their stories and I was able to hold space for them as they were talking about really, really hard things. And I saw the need because I was working and organizing for more funding and resources for schools. 
and the parents were like such an, they really wanted mental health services for their kids. And so I joined a school-based program. So that way I could be a therapist in schools at first. But then as I got into the program, as I did my internships, as I was like out in the field, it was just like another system. And then I had to do like all these things. I had to do all of these reports. I had to do these notes a specific way. And I, because I've been conditioned, I'm really good at following the rules. I'm great. I, you just tell me the rules and I will follow it to a T and I will be like an all-star in that job. And a lot of people in whatever job I was in, they would really, they would praise me and say, wow, you're really great at this. But the thing is that I would do that at the expense of my mental health, <laughs> of my physical yes. health, of my relationships, because I wanted to be that all-star mm. and I wanted to get that validation. And so, yeah, there came a point last year, I think maybe late 2019, no, 2020, late 2020, my therapist, because I wanted to go into a private practice, but I was still working in a community mental health Mm -hmm. clinic and I was doing both and I was really overwhelmed that I wanted to do well in both and my therapist told me like you can just let one go I was like oh, no mm -hmm. <laughs> I can't let it go what do you mean putting myself first and my needs first right yes what and that was and I had to sit with that and I had to I had to really sit with that discomfort for mm -hmm. weeks before I put in my resignation hmm. and I stopped doing community mental health because that wasn't as fulfilling for me anymore. And I felt so much guilt because I'd been working with the community for so long in different capacities. But I remember my current supervisor right now, Adriana, the founder of Latinx therapy, she was saying, but you're going to be able to do that. And maybe even more for the community when you, are prioritizing yourself when you have the energy, when you have the creativity yes. to be able to do that on your own terms, not being kind of the slave mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. this, to look a certain way or to get this validation. Mm. And so then that's when I also realized that the self doubt a lot of the times is a defense mechanism. It's a defense mechanism because we don't want to feel the things that the self doubt, like if it happens, we are not equipped either because it's triggering because it reminds us of a trauma or we are not just emotionally equipped to handle the pain that can happen when that self-doubt actually becomes true sometimes. Mm. So it's a, it's a defense. Yeah. Oh my God, your story. There's like so many ways I could go with it, but I, in terms of like all this information, it's so yeah. juicy in the terms of like very relatable like I was here like amen kind of like church <laughs> because yeah it's, it's that aspect of being being the best student like I remember when I was in internship then they told me like I was one of like the best intern of course because I was so afraid that I was less that I was overperforming all the time it didn't come out of authenticity necessarily I mean I have these gifts and all that, but I was overworking myself because I was so afraid they were going to kick me out or they were going to find out that I was not good enough or something, which is, you know, that sells out that fear that I had of internally. And then you work in agencies and I was like, productivity, I was on top of it until I became a mom. And then it was like, I cannot keep on top of it. This is ridiculous. But yes, it's yep. like they take advantage of us so much. 
And we're, a lot of us get all those, you know, best employee, keeping the productivity up, up to what expense. And when you mentioned, you know, in terms of all these ideas of growing up and wanting more opportunities, if you were the best student, the best intern, mm-hmm. the best employee, that was also mm-hmm. provided by your parents, I'm assuming, because that was provided mm-hmm. by my parents as well, right? Because that's what they believe. They came and they made all the sacrifices for you to get more opportunities. So it was a word that you would hear a lot. Mm-hmm. So you want to take advantage of it. And my mom was huge about being respectful, mm-hmm. of following the rules, of not, I'm not rocking the boat, of doing the minimal tension or critique or if something was going wrong like you gotta handle it yourself you gotta swallow it you gotta just pray about it or whatever but you bringing it up that's kind of last resort yeah because this is an opportunity right this is like you have to take advantage of it or it's a lot of oh my gosh this is something that just me and my therapist reviewed last week that i realized is this kind of ingrained thought that we have to suffer to mm-hmm. gain pleasure and reward. Mm. That's been so ingrained in me. Yeah. Like even like <laughs> I was talking to or saying the story around like, and I'm sure a lot of uh, Latina moms and maybe other, you know, moms of color in general, they're like, oh, ya saliste. Ya no vas a salir el otro día. Like you already went out on Friday, so mm-hmm. you're not going to go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you had to kind of restrain yes. your pleasure, restrain your happiness because you've already done that right. a little bit. So now you have yeah, to so like, ganar. again. Yeah. You have to, yes, you have you have to, to earn it. it. Yeah. You have to earn it. And so now that's my go-to. Like I have to earn hmm. the ability to rest. I have to earn. And, and it was for my birthday. Cause a couple of weeks ago was my birthday. Happy belated birthday. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. I had a really great weekend. And then all this anxiety came on Monday and feeling like, okay, now we got to go back to the drawing. And I was exhausted because we had a very, mm-hmm. you know, long and, and eventful weekend. So I was really tired that my brain was like, nope, you got to start working again. You got to, you enjoyed yourself. So now you got to work mm-hmm. instead of just allowing to re- myself to rest an extra day. And that's what happens when we kind of are, we give so much of ourselves to these different systems and to these different organizations that we are, we're scared of taking PTO, right? I probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have taken a day off that Monday to recuperate. I would have been like, nope, I'm going to just maybe see a couple clients or whatever. But because I'm more flexible now, because I work, you know, in private practice in my own thing, like I was able to be like, nope, I'm not seeing anything. I'm not seeing anyone. I'm just going to, you know, make up for it later. Yeah. I'm not feeling as guilty, but it was so intense how that flip came super quickly. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of us are operating in this way that we can't even enjoy ourselves. And so that's also where the self-doubt comes in. The self-doubt comes in because like, oh, you already enjoy yourself. So now you have to have doubts. Right. <laughs> oh, you're not really of yourself. Now you're going to have doubts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's so, and it's just this, and I think this goes back way long, mm-hmm. way back to like colonialism and all these like supremacy cultures around like, you as a woman, as a person of color, low income, whatever. Nope, you can't enjoy the pleasures of life. Yeah. You have to work for them. Yeah, which today, as we're recording, I know your listeners are listening to this on a different day, but we're recording on October 12th, which is actually El Dia de 
Cristóbal Colón in Puerto Rico, but it's like so messed up of a holiday. <laughs> but, you know, it's, yeah, it goes really, really back. And our parents mm -hmm. and caregivers, and they did that because that's the way they survive. And that's what helped them to survive. But we're in a different, and the same with our children, <laughs> with our daughters, you know, they're in a different generation. So probably the things that are helping us now probably won't help them. You mentioned something about how becoming an entrepreneur was the piece that kind of got it because for an employee you were able to figure out you know there were rules <laughs> there were yeah. rules and if you follow them you you know but as an entrepreneur so if you can speak a little bit more about that aspect mm -hmm. that started bringing up all those self-doubts and oh wait yeah 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 because there's a checklist there's a checklist and if you do this this and this then you are a good employee so you know what to do but as an entrepreneur There is a checklist in that you should have clients. Right? Right. <laughs> you should have clients. You probably should be getting paid a certain amount. Okay, whatever. But everything else, it's literally up to the person to decide. You can do it whatever way you can. Some people like to work a lot and like have certain ways to get clients. Some people are a lot more flexible in terms of the income, in terms of your expenses. Everything is basically up to you. Yes. So now you gotta think like, well. What's the right thing? And it's like, there's no right thing. You have to decide what's right for you. And then you're like, oh, crap. I don't know what's right for me because I've always had to uphold the standards of somebody else's, what they thought was right for me since childhood. Mm -hmm. So it's this whole reframing of like actually working towards and doing things that you actually want to do and actually align with you versus following somebody else's path or somebody else's outlined mm. processes. And that's hard. If it you're is. not used to it, that's hard. If like you're new to it, because it, you're literally reframing your brain. Thanks for sharing. I've been having, an, and I've shared, I think in the podcast or in a reel or so, <laughs> somewhere, I feel like I share this <laughs> in terms of like, oh, I think it was with my previous mentor mentees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with them probably. That I feel like being an entrepreneur, it's been a tool for healing because yes. you're uncovering a lot of things that were like, whoa, mm -hmm. and there's so much unbecoming yeah. <laughs> that the journey of unbecoming mm -hmm. yourself and the way you think, the way you generate money and all that. And you have like my parents were both employees. I know a lot of like Latinx parents, especially in immigrants, might have their own tienditas mm -hmm. and stuff. My parents you know, because I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, so very different circumstances. They were both employees until they retired or they actually got, you know, injured and got a pension that way. But they work all their times mm -hmm. as an employee. Mm -hmm. So me being, and I don't have any family members as an entrepreneur. They were all basically employees. It's like now some of them, my cousins at my level, but we're all trying to figure this out. And then you have like the messages like, Just find a job. I remember when my sister tried it. <laughs> she was like trying to get into the entertainment business over here. My parents would send her like job posting for the IRS and stuff that she was like not interested. But it was like, just find a job and stay steady and get money because that was mm -hmm. going to make you happy. You get a house, you get a family, and then you retire. Yep. That's it. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah. How... I was going to say, how have you overcome? But I'm going to shift that question into what has been helpful for you to mm -hmm. overcome some of the self-doubts that you've encountered? Well, going into my traumas, for sure. <laughs> Processing trauma. 
because an example that I would share in terms of this, my entrepreneurial journey is that this whole notion of like, what are people going to say about me? Like, what are people going to say? What are people going to say? And I know that a lot of people struggle with this one. What are people going to say? And the root of that is that I have had people, whether it was my parents or like family members critiquing others, Mm. critiquing others Mm -hmm. around me and how like, I didn't want to be the one being made fun of, or even I go back to the whole feelings thing. Like, I was bullied as a kid. And so just thinking about like feeling those sensations again, or like being the object of ridicule or being criticized, all of that felt so overwhelming to me. It felt like if that happens, I don't know what's going to to, like, what's going to happen to me. Like, I'm not going to be able to function. I'm not like, there was huge fear. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I was able to kind of tap into where it's coming from, process that using like somatic type of processing, EMDR specifically, and also continue to befriend some of these emotions and know like these emotions are temporary, that I was able to kind of jump through it. And of course, you still get it, but it's manageable now uh, because I know that the benefit outweighs way more than what the possibility of a painful experience be but that takes lots of courage yes it does and it takes it takes practice too we are not conditioned at least me i was not conditioned to show anger sadness to allow those emotions to come out my mom didn't know how to deal with that even to this day like Mm -hmm. she was i was broken down postpartum crying and she's like you have to stop crying because it's a baby and i'm like i literally can't stop crying (laughs) oh my yeah she didn't know how to deal with that and they're so those emotions are so scary and so when we remove that fear from those emotions and we're like I know how to handle these emotions or I know that I have a support system that's going to help me handle when things like can hit the fan and usually they don't hit the fan (laughs) and sometimes they do but usually they don't but if they did if worst case scenario were to happen I'm in a place now that I can say if worst case scenario were to happen I can handle it I either have the emotional capacity or I have the support system and I know what I can do to handle this Mm. because Mm -hmm. I've been through a lot. We've all been through a lot. Yeah. But if we don't examine those and we don't process, we don't heal and we don't start expanding our capacity to hold all these difficult emotions, then we're just going to get stay stuck in that fear. Yeah. Thank you for bringing also the aspect of practice because I know Mm -hmm. I think my persona is more like, the heart, I'll jump. I'll, you know, courage for me was like mm-hmm. ingrained from my ancestors. Mm-hmm. But the practice part, I think it's so important because many of the people that hold back because of their sell down and the mm-hmm. fears that I've worked with, they have this fan, and I call it fantasy, and I hate using that term, but in a way, it's like this fantasy of I have to do this until I feel prepared. And it's like, hey. <laughs> and I don't think I've ever felt 100% at any of what I've done. Yeah. Right. And it takes those little steps and those, you know, you practice and then you retrieve and you practice and then you retrieve. But if you don't practice, you won't be able to learn it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What are the things that have helped you the most to practice, to go, not to go against, but like to overcome self-doubt? I think, let's see. So sitting with, and this is, 
very individual mm-hmm. because we know as trauma therapists, we know that sometimes sitting with emotions can be very triggering for people. Yes. And so if you're someone that if you like have a hard time meditating, if you have a hard time, like just sitting with emotions, maybe this wouldn't be the best thing to do by yourself. So you need to get support around this. But for me, it's important to sit with my emotions. So if I'm like, okay, I'm being triggered. Okay, I'm being, um, something's coming up for me, like this really intense thing or this block, like I don't want to do it. Even though when I'm grounded and I'm regulated, so calm, I'm like, I want to do that. But then when it actually, like I have to do it or when an opportunity comes and you're like, no, and you want to hold back and the self-doubt comes. Just sitting, just sitting with that self-doubt and being super compassionate. Self-compassion is like the groundwork of all of my, all of my work with my clients. Because there's a saying that goes, what you resist persists. So the more you're resisting this self-doubt and the more that you're trying to like fight it, the more that it shows up because you're engaging with it. That's how our brain works. Mm -hmm. And so the more that you can observe it, and see like there's a reason and that's where like a therapist or coach can come in and help you understand the reasoning why maybe the self-doubt where the root is coming from and then offering compassion to that inner child to the ancestors that passed this down to whatever and just letting it go and that takes practice right (laughs) that takes practice to be able to to get there and that so that you can feel the emotion allow it to rise and then emotions don't last forever so then allowing it to dissipate and then going to go do the thing mm, I love it I love it and as you're That's how it yeah no and as you're sharing that I will say besides the individual part you know within a group it can also be helpful that's why those group coaching yes. experiences can be helpful because if yes. you're sharing and you're bringing something difficult and the facilitator yes. in the group is like holding you to like just hold you not without right. any intention of changing. That is a mm. new experience of having someone to hold you because our families, that's why group therapy also, it's so helpful or like groups that are contained that way because our family members or our caregivers or our friends and lovers, they're not necessarily like going to listen and contain us and hold us without the expectation of changing us. Like, you know, stop mm-hmm. crying or don't do that. Like, forget it. Like, put it in the past because they're also getting triggered. <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that could happen, but... But being in an experience in a group that you can cry and that nobody's like standing up to give you the tissue or interrupting you or hugging you right away necessarily or just holding it and you to feel it with the support Mm -hmm. is another Mm -hmm. kind of like, I want to call it exposure therapy, (laughs) but kind of like you re-experience it in a different way. So it starts to change the brain. So I would definitely say for any potential therapeneurs, now I'm thinking, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm like putting so many things together. One of the things that has helped me with that has been that, being in groups that I am able to, like I had a meeting this morning, uh, my eyes, I cried a little bit about something and, and they were there holding me. And it was like, oh, I can share in this group. I can share here. And then I asked and they gave me some guidance. So, And yeah. that's how our ancestors used to do it. Yeah, It was all groups. It was all relationship based. And if you know, if there was a bigger issue, then there were medicine people, right? Or healers that would mm-hmm. help you, you know, process whatever was going on. But for the most part, okay, you're having a rough day. Guess what? So-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so is going to take care of the babies. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. You know, the food's taken care of because they're cooking for the tribe. You know, there was all these 
coping and like support systems and things already set up into our tribes and into our system. And it's when we become more individualistic, colonization, hello, mm-hmm. and like separating us from community, mm-hmm. from our families, that we think we need to do everything ourselves. And you yeah. don't. You don't have to do everything yourself. We're actually not designed to do everything ourselves. Mm. Yes, which is a perfect segue. I think you already did it. But if you <laughs> want to share a message <laughs> for those that are in the journey to reclaim you know, to reclaim back their inner power and let go of the self-doubt, what would be? Yeah, I would say that self-doubt is there for a reason. And a lot of the times it doesn't even have to do with anything regarding your abilities, your mind, the way that you, you present yourself. And to have the courage and create that safety, whether it's within yourself, group, or with someone else, to begin healing some of those roots, causes of it, and asking and being part of support systems. So that way you can do the thing that you're being called on this earth to do. Mm, Thank you for sharing. I also receive it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So let's go into our fire round questions, which is basically like complete the sentence. (laughs) The psychologist in me, sorry, no, I'm just kidding. I had to do like a test (laughs) now. But like complete the sentence. Mm-hmm. My unique and special gift is holding sacred space for healing and transformation. I am reclaiming my voice. I no longer subscribe to doing things solely based on societal timelines and standards. Love that one. <laughs> if my ancestors would speak, they would say, thank you for honoring yourself and us. And my wish for you, meaning the audience is you feel safe and strong enough to listen and act on creating the life you want for yourself and for your community. Mm, Thank you. That is so beautiful. Before we go into sharing your current offerings and where (laughs) people can find you, I was like here like, wow, I want to like also share back because I know we spoke Mm -hmm. back in fall 2020 when you were still in the community mental health. Yes. And to see your growth now, it's like Mm -hmm. I'm here like a a happy in a way teacher and (laughs) colleague kind of like, like such a power, strong woman. And yeah, I get teary eyed saying that, but I love seeing you step into your power. And, and I was even here thinking like, which we'll talk later after the call, but the importance for other colleagues to hear this message of how becoming an entrepreneur can actually help them. I mean, it could be like, well, over here we curse. I have to remember my assistant to let to put that as an explicit, but it, it could become a sheet you know, show at times. And a lot of times you're like, I might as well just get back a job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, you have this opportunity of of being yourself. So like Mm -hmm. how beautiful the opportunity it is there Mm -hmm. to reclaim you and what you want to do and all that. So, mm, so much. Okay. Can you share about your current and upcoming offerings and where can people learn more about you? Yes. So the best way to connect with me right now is on Instagram. My account is MFTUD. So M-F-T-Y-U-R-I. And we'll put it in the yes. show notes. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And right now, as of October 12th, that's when we're recording, I'm right. accepting both therapy clients in California and also coaching clients outside of California. So especially if you're a woman or from of color, that want to overcome self-doubt, 
I am more than happy and excited to work with you. I already, I'm opening four slots for the rest of the year. I already have one taken, so I have three more left. And it's a three-month container. You can continue on after the three months if you'd like, but it's a three-month container. And I'll be definitely, when you post this, I'll probably have things on my page and then I'll send it to you so that you can put it on the show notes. Yeah. But yeah, I'm really excited for this work. I'm, I also want to kind of echo the same thing that you were sharing with me and your ability to stay authentic to yourself. Like I see it, mm-hmm. that you are listening to your mm-hmm. calling, that you are not going with the crowd. You're really taking that time to understand and to heal and dive into what's really yours. I see that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really, I'm really proud of you too as a colleague in your growth and I'm really happy to have met you. Mm. Thank you so much. I receive that. I'm emotional today. <laughs> well, I had a lot. Of, I had my, my, I'm part of a container and I, I had the cold this morning and think, but your words were so beautiful as well. So I received that and thank you so much. And for all the listeners, yes, look at the show notes. And my ask for you is if you like to have more of these interviews to like, subscribe and rate and share it so that way we can get our word out more. And I am so happy that I am able to, like, I feel like um, like on an honor seat here to be able to be interviewing all these amazing mm-hmm. guests and including Judy. So thank you so much, Judy. Judy, I was going to say it in the, in a, <laughs> it wasn't in a gringo way. Why, why, why? <laughs> thank you so much, Judy, <laughs> for being <laughs> in, in our show. And I look forward to hearing more and even down the road collaborate and something, you know, for those entrepreneurs to take that leap of faith because it a lot of times is that is holding back self-doubt and many other things so thank you everyone for listening we'll see each other in the next one thanks for listening licensed psychologist now what to make sure you don't miss any episode make sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player and to join our email list via our website Lastly, I will appreciate if you would rate and review our podcast to help us reach more folks that can benefit from the information provided here. Until next time, bye-bye.